We're in week three of our series called The Hustle, where we're talking about busyness, what to do about it. And it's very appropriate that on this Mother's Day weekend, we're talking about how the hustle hits home, how the hustle, the busyness of life intersects with our family relationships, marriages, kids, parents, brothers, sisters. But you need to know this. What we're going to talk about in the next few minutes applies to any relationship dynamic. In fact, whether you're a Christian or not, it applies to you. Regardless of whether you're really close to God or not close to God or you're not sure, and whether you're married or not, young or old, it doesn't matter. This works for you. So we have a lot we can learn together. But before we get there, I want to ask you to use your imagination. I want you to imagine walking into a room, not a big room, not a real tiny room, just a regular sized room, filled with 50 cats. <laughs> now some of you immediately are going, oh, that would be heaven. It's not the eternal destiny that starts with the letter H that I was thinking of, but oh well. Each his own. All right, let me up the ante a little bit, okay? Let's say you walked into this room filled with 50 cats and you were wearing a full-length wool coat. Now what? And you sit on the couch, you get you something to drink, and you just kind of spend a little time hanging out in there. What's going to happen? In moments, I mean in, in just seconds, you're going to be covered head to toe in cat hair. It's going to happen. It's just, you're going to come out of there looking like a you know, Yeti. I mean, it's just like, whoa. I mean, some of you are like, I have allergies. I would die. No, I'm not talking about you, but everybody else, you know, it's, you would be covered up before you knew it. You know, that's like home life. That's like family life. Before you know it, you turn around, and over time, it just happens. Your family dynamic, your home life, your family life gets covered up with stuff that clings to you and sticks to your schedule and your routine, and you look around, and now there's all these bills. How did they get here? And expectations. Boy, I didn't know about this. And all of these demands on your time and your energy and the patterns and the habits. How did we end up doing this all the time? How did this end up being what my family is like? This is not what I hoped for. This is not what I dreamed. This is certainly not what I planned for. And you turn around and like a wool coat in a room of 50 cats, you're covered up. You're covered up. It's complex, isn't it? It gets so busy so quickly. Well, the good news is, is that we're going to help. I want to help, and I think there's help. Hope for you, help for me. I don't want anyone to leave here feeling guilty or burdened. I, I want you to leave here the exact opposite. I want you to leave here feeling empowered and hopeful that you can make some choices to push back against the hustle when the hustle hits home. Now, this is going to impact us differently. We're going to hear it differently based upon the kind of people we are. You know, there's a couple of different groups of people in the room. 
There's results-oriented people, and I know this is a gross generalization. This is a broad generalization. There's, there's results-oriented people in the room, and then there's relationship, relational-oriented people in the room. So l- let me just qualify the difference. If you're a results-oriented type person, it means you're a task-driven type person. You think in terms of lists, check boxes, lines, to do this, 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 in more, you know, kind of detail, type A, anal retentive, you know, you fill in the blank kind of thing. I happen to be um, more so that kind of person by nature. Now, it's not that results-oriented people don't care about relationships. We certainly care about relationships. It's just that the tasks come more naturally and effortlessly to us. If you're a results-oriented person like me, what we're going to talk about in the next few minutes is going to be challenging for you. It's going to be challenging for us. Buckle up. Now, on the other hand, there are relationship-oriented people. Relationship-oriented people. Not that they don't care about results. They certainly do. And it's not that they don't care about tasks. They most certainly do. It's just that the relationship side, the people side of things, come more naturally to them. They don't, it's not that they don't work hard. They just don't have to work as hard. They have this sixth sense of peopleness about them. And my wife, Donna, is one of those people. Thank God for our family. She's one of those people. Because if not, we would be in a big old mess. Um, And if you're a relationship-oriented person like that, listen carefully. I want you to feel empowered and encouraged to continue doing what comes most naturally for you. Because see, we got this odd dynamic in all of our family home lives. All of them. I've never seen one yet that doesn't have the tendency to struggle with this. The fact that what, over time... We spend the least amount of time, energy, and focus on the ones that we would say mean the most to us. Over time, what's interesting is if we're not careful, it just kind of happens, we end up spending the least amount of time, energy, and focus on the ones that mean the most to us. And we say we do it for them. And we say we do it because we love them. And we do. Let me put it like this. Here's a different way to look at it. The reality is what we do for our family often keeps us from our family. The reality is, if you're not careful, what we do for the people that mean the most to us we end up allowing to keep us from the people that mean the most to us. And we do it all in the name of love. Isn't that just a shocking, sobering reality? And, and I get it. It's unintentional. You don't mean to. It just kind of happens. And it happens because of several different things. There's this tension of work and family that exists. This tension of, I got to work. I got to get... You know, we, I got to have a job and I have a career and I got to get things done. And, and then, but my family over here, it's time away from my family. And I, I hate that, but my family, I love them the most. And my family is much more important than, than stuff and things and work. Yeah, my family relationships, my marriage, my kids, my parents, all of this is much more important. At the same time, I got to work. There's a tension. It's not a problem to solve because neither of those dynamics are going away. You don't solve work and you don't solve family. 
They both coexist and they're very important. It's a tension that has to be managed. Yeah. And that tension, when you're living in that tension, boy, if you're not careful, you'll find yourself, you find yourself getting to a point where what you do for them, work, keeps you from them, family. And I don't mean just hours necessarily. Even though you do need to think in time, it's, it's about focus. It's about energy. It's, it's just a challenge. Because if you haven't noticed, I mean, families like to eat. And they like to sleep and live indoors. Somebody's got to pay for that. Got to have a job. Right? But at the same time, job, 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 career, 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 and life is passing by. And at the end of your life, on your deathbed, you're not going to request somebody to bring you your portfolio. Can I see my investments one more time? Can you just lay my resume on my chest? No, no, no. Who are you going to want with you? You're going to want the ones that mean more to you than your job. You're not even going to ask your boss to be there, unless you work for somebody in your family and they're your family. But anyway, you're not going to ask for your boss. You're going to ask for your family. Because we know this, this tension, this tension. Hey, let me give you a quick resource, real quick. You might want to write this down. If you find yourself in this tension and you find you're losing the battle in the hustle, um, work and family, work and family, work and family, um, Andy Stanley is a pastor in Atlanta, wrote a fantastic book years ago, and it's been renamed and redone. And the name of the title is When Work and Family Collide. When Work and Family Collide. When Work and Family Collide. So if you didn't write that down, come back and watch it on the web or app later. And when I get to this point, then you can write it down. But I highly recommend that. Attention and work and family. And then, and then, what makes us do things for our family and it keeps us from those that mean the most to us is all these expectations that are placed on us. And some of them have something to do with work, but a lot of them are just, just day-to-day life. All these expectations. Outside um, pressure. Outside influences. Sometimes they actually come from within your own family. You know, what mom thinks you ought to do and dad thinks you ought to do and what grandma expects and what granddaddy expects and what my brother thinks I should do and my sister and her family think I should do. And all of this, you get your family puts pressure and then you get culture putting pressure. This is what people in your stage of life do. This is what people in your stage of life do. You're behind because you're not doing it. And then, especially this, your peer group, whatever your peer group is. If you're newlyweds, other newlywed couples before babies come. Or if you're a young family and you got little bitty kids, you know, or whatever they're doing and you see them and you're highly impacted by what you see, you're constantly looking at your other peers, right? Or maybe your kids are in middle school and high school, you're looking at families with middle school and high school students. Or maybe you're an empty nester and you're looking at other empty nesters and said, heck, we should be doing nothing. We've done it all. You know, when you're looking at everybody else and you, and you feel these pressures. Are you with me? You feel exhausted right now? I do. I'm just worn out. And I mean, some of it's good stuff, but it's like, oh, he's crawling. We better sign him up for soccer. <laughs> he, he said ball. He's ready. He's got something special. <laughs> no, he don't. <laughs> he may have something special he's working on in his diaper, but... That's about it. Yeah. I know your kid is the exception. <laughs> Aren't you something? Oh. And there's nothing wrong with sports. It's a wonderful thing if it's done healthily, but do you feel the pressure? I mean, every kid's got to dance on something, catch something, throw something, kick something, have. You gotta, gotta, I mean, we just, we just got to do it, right? 
And, and you look around and all the other people taking these certain kind of vacations. Everybody in our, all the other, all of our other friends are taking these kinds of vacations. I know we can't afford it. We're just going to put in a credit card. We got it. We got our kids have to have a selfie at the same place. These kids have had selfies because we can't have our kids being the only ones going to school, not having worn these or had these or been here or done that. And we got this stuff. Got to have a stuff. Got the stuff. They got the stuff. We got to have the stuff. And there's just so much pressure. Oh, my gosh. Unbelievable expectations we place on each other. And we convince ourselves we're helpless. That's what adds to this dynamic of you're like, what we do for them will keep us from them because we feel like we're helpless and there's nothing we can do about it. You can't control it. That's just the way it is. That's just life in 2019. Really? I don't know about that. I don't know about that. You might want to rethink that. I mean, there's a lot of things in life you're not going to be able to control. You're not going to be able to control everything. What happens to you in life sometimes you can't control? Tragedies, sickness, illness, bills, things break, explode, and you got to pick up extra work, overtime, a second job to cover the expenses or whatever. Some of that stuff you can't control, and you just got to do what you got to do. But I'm talking about this whole thing where we're constantly looking, well, everyone else does this, so we have to do this. And that's just the way it is. I don't have a choice. Because they do, because their kids, then our kids. Because they are, then we are. And, and because they do, then we do. Everyone else, everyone else. Here's the deal. There's a lot in life you can't control, but you are not helpless. You are not a victim. And you have way more say and choice than you have convinced yourself you do. You can choose which activities you say yes and no to. You can choose which, here's just some examples. You can choose what commitments you say yes and no to. Not just for you, but for your kids. It's, I'm amazed. I'm amazed how quickly parents are to commit their kids to everything. Right? Well, he wants to. Well, he also wants cookies for dinner. He's a kid. Right? And you also have a say in what standard of living you aspire to. Now listen. I didn't say you have a say in your current financial situation and everything that's happened to you, even though you probably have a more say than you think you do, getting to where you are. Okay, I'm saying you have a say in the standard of living you are aspiring to. The kind of car, not just you're driving, but you're hoping to drive. And the kind of house, not just you're living in, but you're hoping to live in, and you won't settle until you are living in it. And the kind of neighborhood you want to live in, and you won't rest until, Right? And the kind of vacations, not that you're taking, but you will not stop and rest until. And the kind of retirement that you will have one way or the other. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? You, you have a say. You have a say. I don't think any of us want to get to the place where what we do for those we love the most keep us from them. You say, well, we're with each other. We're with each other. No, there's a difference between with each other. There's a, there's a difference between being together and being with each other. You can be in the same proximity and still be distant, still not know, still not connect. I, I want to share with you something I'm learning, and I want to welcome you to learn it with me, okay? Because I think if I need it, you need it. And if you don't need it, just humor me because I need it. Something I'm learning. I'm learning because I haven't mastered it. I'm learning it because I, I, I get hit with the hustle right between the eyes. And I am learning the hard way in a lot of ways. Because that type A personality, you know, results driven, oriented kind of thing. Task, task, task. And I think we all need to learn. You can't love in a hurry. You can't love 
in a hurry. Or do the things that love requires. Caring, listening, serving, giving. You can't love in a hurry. A new pastor friend of mine that I'm not super close, but we're acquainted and and we talk occasionally from Canada, said this recently. And when he said this, I wrote this down because I had to share it with you. He said, love has a speed and it is slower than you are. Think about that. Man, that's deep. Love has a speed and it is slower than you are. You can't love in a hurry. It takes space. It takes margin. One moment at a time. One conversation at a time. You can't reduce it down to boxes to check. And a task to accomplish. You cannot love in a hurry. You know what? God's been trying to tell us this all along. I'm fascinated by this. God's been trying to draw our attention to this from the very beginning. See, God created love. It was his idea. He thought it up. So if anybody knows how love should work, he will know. And if we, you and I, and, and we want to understand how love operates, when we consult the one who created it, who mastered it, Jesus Christ himself set the perfect example. And we've been recipients of a perfect love from God. And so when we try to learn how to love each other, we need to consult him. And so God used a guy named Paul to write a letter to a group of Jesus followers in the first century in the city of Corinth. Now this is fascinating that he's writing to a group of people in Corinth because if you study and learn about what was going on in the culture in Corinth, they were really living in a melting pot of ideologies, of worship, of thought, of philosophy, all the Greek mythology and the Greek gods and the Greek culture. And it's just like you got people from the north, people from the south, the east and west all kind of coming together in this northern Mesopotamian area and it created a lot of confusion a lot of confusion good for the economy a lot of confusion when it came to what's important in life because you get a little bit of this a little bit of this a little bit of this and they didn't even understand what love was and so Paul clarified let, let me just tell you what love is now before I read this okay if you're a follower of Jesus You've heard this before. I almost can promise you, you've heard some of these things before. And even if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you've been to a wedding, you've probably heard these things read. The description of love that God used Paul to write in 1 Corinthians 13. This is not new. What I want you to see, though, is that embedded into this description of love is the truth that you can't do this in a hurry. You can't love in a hurry. And God's been telling us this the whole time. And I'm like, how have I not seen this? Look at this. Love is patient and kind. Anybody else know how to be patient in a hurry? It's really difficult, isn't it? Right? And kindness, isn't isn't unkindness usually what happens when we're in a hurry, in a hurry, in a hurry, in a hurry? And it's really hard to be kind in a rush. Because usually when we're in a rush, that we snap each other and we just bite each other's heads off. Look at this. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. See, these are the kinds of things that happen in a hurry. 
See, see, for some of you, this is challenging because you live at a breakneck speed. You just, from the time your feet hit the floor because you got up late, to the time you go to bed, if you, you just usually fall over dead, you know, asleep kind of thing, you know. It's just, just go, 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 go. And so when you're living on the go, 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 and you are in the grips of the hustle, it, it's like you're constant, constantly challenged to put these things into practice. Not jealous, not boastful, not proud, not rude. Because when you're in a hurry, you can be rude so quickly. It does not demand its own way. It does not demand. It not demand is something we most often do when we're behind. Right? We most often make demands because I don't have time to talk about it. Just do it. Right? I don't have time. I don't have time now. I don't have time. I don't have time. Just, just, just. We're making demands, and it's not irritable. You know when I'm most irritable? When I'm running behind. I'm most irritable, right? Anybody else? Nope, just me. <laughs> and it keeps no record of when it has been wronged. Keeps no record. Keeps no record. Isn't, isn't it true when we're in a hurry, when we're in a hurry, that we constantly find ourselves apt to say things like, you always do this, you always, you did it again, I knew you would do it, I told you, you never, never, you always, you always, I am so sick and tired of for the last 15 years, you keeping a record, keeping a record, keeping a record. You can't, you can't love in a hurry. Love never gives up. You can't never give up in a hurry. Never gives up means you're going to be there a while. You ain't going anywhere. Never loses faith. You can't never lose faith in a hurry. It takes a while. It takes a commitment. Is always hopeful. Always. Anything always takes a while. And endures through every circumstance. The very nature of the word endure means it takes time and commitment. And you know what makes this challenging? It's because every day there's so stinking much to do. There's so much to do. Anybody else find yourself just kind of taking what didn't get done on this list today and just kind of moving it over to tomorrow, the next day? The next day you have off, maybe at the house, yeah, I'll get to it next weekend, uh, next weekend, next weekend, and I am doing a great job of stressing the crap out of a bunch of you. You're just like, oh, this is great. <laughs> That's just reality. It's just reality, okay? We might as well just admit it and take a breath. That's why this is so important, because the hustle is going to hit us square in the eyes when it comes to our home life, our family life, and it's not going to let up. The world is not going to slow down. Has it for you yet? No. You're just going to kind of go to the end, and you're going to die. And I'm going to die. And the world's going to keep hustling. So you and I have got to take control of what we can choose and choose to love with intentionality. In fact, I want to spend the rest of our time, what little bit of time we have left, asking you a question and asking you to wrestle with this question. This is a very familiar question. If you've been at the summit for any amount of time, I've asked you this question before. I didn't write this question. I did not come up with this question. This question was inspired by something Jesus said in John chapter 13, love each other as I have loved you. And then many smarter men than me have taken this and put it within a bite-sized form where People like me and you can digest it. It's a fantastic question. But I want to take this question that maybe you've seen before or heard before, especially here at the summit, and I want to put it in the filter of what we're talking about. When the hustle hits home, 
knowing we cannot love in a hurry. And we love, love is what we're hoping to focus on, right? Because we know it's more important than work. It's more important than stuff. It's more important than things. People are more important than tasks. We know that. We all agree. So since I can't love in a hurry, and I definitely don't want to let what I do for them keep me from them, here's a question. And it is clarifying, simplifying, and so convicting. What does loving them require of me today? Who's them? Well, the ones you love the most, your family, or whoever you put in that category, the ones that mean the most to you. What does loving them require of me today? Now, if you want the short answer, go back to 1 Corinthians 13 and start reading again. All those things you can't do in a hurry that love does and does not do. That's what it requires of us. But how that plays out, you got to wrestle with it. What does loving them require of me today? Because love is our intention, right? Love is what we intend to do. It's what we say we're going to do, and it's what we mean to do. I really believe that. I really believe that all of you guys here and everybody watching online and other, other locations, I truly believe that your intention and what you mean to do is to be loving. And yet, we struggle slowing down enough to do just that. And you know, I mean, except, well, I guess there are some exceptions. I mean, you know, the, except for those times that you push her button, you know, that button, the, the red flashing button, you know, if I say that or do that, she's going to lose her mind. And you go, <laughs> just because you had to, right? Oh, he hates it when I say this, but I am so sick and tired. So I'm going to say it. And he hates it when I call him his name, this name, this name. When I say, oh, you're just like, mm hmm, he hates it, tears him up. So, oh, you know who you're just like? Push button. And you know your dad hates it and your mom hates it when you do this. Just drives them nuts. And I'm not talking about that, okay? That aside, most of the time, I think your intention and my intention and our intention, we mean to love. So, let's ask ourselves this question. What does loving them require of me today? And, and let me take that and, and give you some handles for it. I want you to think... What does loving them require of me today? Knowing that I'm a results-oriented person or, or a relationships-oriented type person, when I think of these categories, like, what does loving them require of me today in this current season of life that I'm in? This is a great thing to reflect on or maybe even have a conversation with, a nice, honest, fair conversation in this season of life. Why? Because season of life comes and goes, changes, it's temporary. The season of life you're in now will not be the season of life you're always in. But you need to know the season you're in and you need to identify it, accept it. If you don't, it's not like it's going anywhere just yet. I mean, eventually it'll change, but it'll, it, it comes with opportunities that you don't want to miss and ignore. So, we're newlyweds, we got no kids. So what does loving her, loving him require of me? Today. I'm not saying it's easy, but that's one pretty simple. It's just him, it's just her. Oh, we're having a baby. That's going to get a little more complicated now. Oh, we're having babies. Oh, boy, it's going to get interesting. 
So you're in a season of life, and you've got little kids. You're in the season of diapers and bottles and screaming and no sleep and tantrums. And are we having fun yet? What does loving them require of me today, given this season of life? You have to embrace the season you're in. Or maybe your kids are a little bit older, middle school and high school. What does loving them? You're, you're kind of like a traffic cop. And he's going there. She's going there. There, there, there. Wait a second. We got how many kids? Okay, great. It's just like, what does loving them require of me today? Or maybe you're an empty nester. Or your nest is emptying. Or maybe you're nearing retirement. And now you're looking at your children and their children. And maybe your grandchildren and great-grandchildren. What does loving them in this season of life require of me today? I don't have the answer to that for you. But you need to wrestle with that question, thinking of the season of life. And I believe that God's Spirit will lead you to the answer. If you want to know what it looks like, read 1 Corinthians 13. If you want to know how to do it, think it through. Pray about it. You don't want to miss those opportunities. Hey, here's another filter. What does loving them require of me today when I consider my current circumstance? It's a little bit different, a little bit different. More specific than the season of life. And here's what I mean with your circumstance. Maybe you're jobless. Maybe you've had to take a second job. Maybe you're in a new job. Maybe you're in a bad job. You're working way too many hours or you're not working enough hours and you're trying to get more hours. What does loving them require of me today given the circumstance of my job or a financial situation or it could be that somebody is sick in your family it could be a short-term sickness that's drug on a little bit or maybe a long-term illness it could be a serious even a terminal illness what does in this current circumstance loving them see that changes things your circumstances changes how you love not that you love but how you love how you apply first corinthians 13 changes with the circumstances You need to talk about it. You need to be aware of it. Here's another one. How does loving them, what does loving them require of me today, given our budget? This is huge. Given our current budget. I'm amazed that we often don't think of this. We don't talk this through. We should talk this through. Because it's about talking about, when, when it comes down to money, you know, what's important to us versus what's most important to us. Because everything can't be important to you. Because you don't have that much money. You ever realize that there are things that are important to you and then there are things that are most important to you? You need to talk about that from a financial standpoint and say, okay, how do I love my family taking our current budget into account? Here's why that's important. In most cases, time, I mean, money equals time. In most circumstances, if you want more money, it's going to require more time. Now, there are some exceptions, but you're probably not it. Thank you. You got it, right? I mean, there are those, right, that just kind of stumble into the, the green stuff or just give it to them, but that's rare. That's very rare. For most people, if they want more money for their family, they have to invest more time away from their family. Do you see how that works? And then you suddenly have to start asking yourself what's worth it, what's important versus what's most important, what's worth it, what's really worth it, what's worth it most, right? I don't have the answer for that. For you, But you need to wrestle with that. And you need to have a conversation about that. Because you can't do everything. You can't buy everything. And you won't be able to have everything. So you're going to have to make a decision. But here's your guiding compass. What does loving them require of me? 
today. Because it's going to change. Next week may change. Something may break. Right? A few years. Oh, they're going to college. Well, you have to shift around some things. Oh, somebody wants to get married. You're really going to have to shift around some things. Okay. One more. What does loving them require of me today when you think about your calendar, your schedule, or your daily routine? Because remember, you're not helpless. You have much more of a choice in these things than you've convinced yourself and try to convince all the rest of us that you do. Your calendar, your schedule, your routine, what does loving them require of me? Because you say you love them in your heart. That's great. I, I agree. You love them in your heart. But if you love them in, their, in your heart, you've got to love them with your calendar too. Does your calendar love them? Are you loving them with your calendar, with your schedule, with your routine? And let me just give you a warning. Do not look at everybody else to decide what your calendar should be. You know why? Because they're unhealthy. They're probably really screwed up. And you don't want to look at everybody else and say, well, they do, so we do. So they, they've, they've said yes, we said yes. You can't say yes to everything. You can't say yes to every good thing. You can't say yes to every great thing. You have to choose the best yes on your calendar, which means, unfortunately, you've got to say no to some people and to some things. No one else is going to look out for your calendar but you. No one else is responsible for your schedule and your routine other than you and your gang. So your gang needs to get in a room together, your husband and wife, mom and dad, even for your kids, and determine a healthy calendar schedule routine for them. I'm amazed when I look at the calendars and the, and the hectic schedule. That, that some families try to keep up. I look at it. And they complain about it all the time. Oh, Lord, oh we just can't. We just can't. I just, oh, I just, it's just constant. And they're constantly complaining. And I'm like, well, say freaking no. <laughs> Don't do it. Well, I can't. I can't. Everyone else. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, there's no everyone else. This is you. This is you. I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you something. Ready? I'm going to give you permission. You have permission to say no. Now, if you're saying no to everything, then you're saying no to the best things. So you have to learn to say yes to the best things. What does loving them require of me today? Because here's what we all know. Life is moving fast, very fast, very fast, isn't it? In fact, you will be at the end of your life before you know it. You won't want to get there. And your conclusion is, what I did for them kept me from them. You can't do this right in a hurry. So let's love with intention. It means you're going to have to make some tough choices. It means new priorities. It means clear boundaries. For some of you, it means you're going to have to do more or less, spend more or less, work more or less. For some of you, it means you may need a different job. You may need to go home from your job. You may need to change your plans, or you may need to delay your plans. You may need to move. You may need to stay. You may need to sell something. You actually may need to buy something. I can't answer what that requirement is. I can tell you what it looks like, 1 Corinthians 13. We saw it together. But you need to wrestle this one to the ground and listen carefully. It will not be easy, it will not be perfect, but it will be worth it. 
asking the question, what does love require? What does loving them require of me today? And, and, and making sure you're not trying to love on the go and love in a hurry. Making that commitment and living with that intentionality won't be easy. In fact, it'll be one of the most difficult things you've ever done. And it won't be perfect. You're going to mess up all the time. And they're going to mess up all the time. Give yourself some grace. It won't be perfect. But it will, 100% of the time, be absolutely worth it. Let's do that together. And that's how we push back when the hustle hits home. Let me pray for you. Dear Father, we thank you for this because we need this. I need this. We are so apt to just look across the street or scroll through Instagram and get our cues for what we need to do, what we need to have, where we need to go, and who we need to be. All of us struggle with this, some more than others. So, Father, help me, help us to realize your description of love is the description of real love, and it cannot be rushed, and it cannot be done on the go very well. It takes time and purpose and intentionality. So help us to wrestle with the questions of what does loving them require of us today and every day, each day. And even though it won't be easy, it won't be perfect because it involves us. May we take advantage of your grace and give grace to each other and make a decision to love our way through the hustle because that's so much more important than anything else. And it will be worth it. Thank you for your help that you will give me and all of my friends here. In Jesus' name, amen.